about how to be a city on a hill, specifics about like what practically to do, like well, what now, what am I supposed to actually do, okay, like uh, my heart's in it, I, I get the reasoning behind inviting, I get the reasoning behind sharing faith, well, what are some of the things I can do if I'm not sure yet, and so that's what we're going to look at tonight as we talk about what's, or this morning, so we talk about what's the plan, what's the plan, so let's pray, and then we're going to start, Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us, we thank you for this week, and we thank you for believers that love each other, that we are a big family. Um, Some of us as young as 11 years old, some of us as old as in our 70s, but we are one family together, united under the cross. Lord, I pray that we would live that way, that we would go out and be bold, be real, and share your light with the world. We love you. We thank you for first loving us and teaching us how to love. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about some practical advice, some practical advice. And uh, we can get some practical advice from Scripture on how to share uh, our faith. And, and yesterday I said, well, we would always go to the, the experts um, in a given area if we want to learn about that area. And so last night as we were talking about being a light, well, we go to the light of the world. That's Jesus. Now, if we want to talk about some practical steps to sharing our faith as Christ followers, then there's also another expert and scripture, and his name was Paul, formerly known as Saul, beat up, hurt, killed, arrested Christians. He did this for years. He chased after them. He was, a, he was basically a, a terrorist against Christians. He would go and get permission, like he would seek out violence against the church, against Jesus. And he was changed on the road to Damascus. A bright light blinded him, knocked him on his but, and he was not able to see for days until a man of God, a, another Christian believer came and, and, and prayed over him. And immediately he went to preach in the synagogues where he was, used to be known as one of the great teachers. And now he was known as someone that they hated. And so they would beat him up and he'd walk to the next town and go to the synagogue and he'd do it again, over and over and over again. So we're going to follow the lead of the greatest evangelist in the Bible the Apostle Paul. So open up to 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. That's in the New Testament. I don't hear pages turning. Open your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. This is a letter written by Paul um, to the church at Corinth. And this was one of the churches he planted that he, he helped start. And so every once in a while, he, you know, he'd go through travels and he'd send back letters to just see, say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Here's what I'm hearing. Here's what I'd like to, like to teach you about. So 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5. And this is, I hope you're encouraged by this because we're going to see something. We, we see Paul as this superhero of faith, this man that had the, the greatest testimony and, 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 and was the worst guy and then and then he became such a great evangelist, a great preacher, a great missionary. And sometimes we can look at the Bible, we look at these superheroes, and we're like, oh, they, they were so great. What about me? I'm, I'm nothing. I mean, think of this. He, he, all, he often called himself the chief sinner. He was the worst among the worst, and yet God still chose him and used him. And then we see some things as he writes that he talks about himself, and we realize he's just like you and me. So chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. In other words, I didn't really have great preaching. I didn't really have a great voice. I didn't really, I didn't have the look. I didn't have any of that. I was just a broken guy who knew Jesus. 
So he said, I didn't have eloquence or human wisdom, wisdom according to the world. They actually thought he was crazy. As I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. To know nothing while I was with you. Keep in mind, this was a man who knew a lot about the Bible. But he decided in his heart of hearts, I am going to not know anything. I'm going to pretend that there is nothing on my mind, no scripture, no uh, ancient writings, no knowledge, no experience that matters except for this. I'm going to go know nothing while I am with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That is the only thing I preach. In verse 3, he says, I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. Look at Paul. Look at this mighty man that got beaten to a pulp and would go right back, who would get thrown in jail and then go right back and start preaching to the prisoners and start preaching to the, to the soldiers that put him in prison. We think he's so brave, and look at what he says. I came in weakness. I was fearful. I was trembling. Verse 4, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. He, he mentions it again. Nobody really likes my sermons, guys. Like, that's not what got you to come to Christ. But there was a demonstration of the Spirit's power. This just matches up with everything we're talking about. There was a demonstration of the Spirit's power because it's the Holy Spirit that changes hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that prompts us to do amazing things. Verse 5, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So his weakness, his lack of persuasive words actually ended up being beneficial to the kingdom because when people trusted in God, they were trusting in God. They were trusting in Jesus Christ crucified and God's power. They saw a man that was bold because of God, but there was actually trembling and fearful inside. So our, our, our first point is we only have one message, Jesus Christ crucified. We only have one message, Jesus Christ crucified. This is why most weeks at United, we're going to give people a chance to know Jesus because we have one message. Yeah, we can talk about family. We can talk about relationships. We can talk about sex. We can talk about social media. We can talk about anger. We can talk about spiritual disciplines. We can talk about Old Testament, New Testament, but there really is only one message of the church. It's Jesus Christ crucified. That's it. That's our only message. So here are just a couple of, uh, a couple of little uh, kind of tips uh, that kind of go along with, with this point. So we only have one message, Jesus Christ crucified. So here's just a couple of tips as we share that one message. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. A lot of times we like, we like to try to put ribbons on the gospel and we try to make it look pretty and, and, and great. And the truth is the cross is not pretty. The truth is it's really not very complicated. Yeah, we could talk about original sin and we could talk about sanctification and justification and all this stuff, but really it's not that complicated. We need a savior. Jesus is that savior. He died for our sins and it's for every single person. Amen? Do we believe that? Do we believe it's for every single person? All right. So if we believe that, we don't need to overcomplicate it. Keep it short and sweet. Be clear. People might remember, remember just one thing and we want them to remember Jesus Christ crucified. We don't want them to remember some fun fact when you were a little kid that's like a side story. Keep it short and sweet. Keep it short and sweet. Don't overcomplicate the gospel. Don't use fancy words. Don't use fancy words. Don't use some of those words I just used, some of that church language. Sometimes we go to people and we're talking all like churchy and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know what any of that is. I don't know what any of those Bible terms are. I don't know what any of those popular like American Christian church plans, uh, words are. I, I don't understand that. Talk in the language you talk in. You guys have a unique ability to talk to your friends 
in a way that many people can't. Why? Because you speak the language. You know the way they talk. You know the way they are. You know where they're hurting. You know where they're, where they're happy. You know where joy is. Um, you know them where they're at. You can speak their language. So don't, don't try to use fancy words. In fact, Paul says in the same thing, he said, I didn't come with eloquence. There wasn't all this human wisdom, all these great, great ideas and theology. It was one thing, Jesus Christ crucified. So don't overcomplicate it. Don't use fancy words. The third thing, don't be self-righteous. Don't be self-righteous. In other words, and Cole used this word in a sermon last week, and so I think I'm allowed to use it too. Um, don't be a D-bag, okay? Don't be a D-bag when you share your faith. No one wants to hear about Jesus from a D-bag that's looking down on them and is condescending to them. No one wants to be talked down to. We've all been talked down to, especially as young people, right? Our parents have talked down to us. Our grandparents have talked down to us. I know our teachers have had talked down to us. Amen? Amen. Okay, I know they talk down to us. They kind of do this little thing like the church lady did to us. They put the, the glasses down on the end of the nose and they kind of look over their glasses at you and, um, and they kind of talk down to you like, you know, like you don't know what's going on and maybe you don't, but um, they, they kind of talk down to you. And so no one wants to be talked down to. Um, another thing that I think Christians are so, it's so easy for us to do is to worry about lifestyles. Worry about people's lifestyles. And what I mean by this is it's so easy for us to, um, to like get caught up in like the way they're living their life. Well, here's the truth. I, let's, just, let's just look at this logically. If you were to go to your friend that doesn't know Jesus and you were to talk to them about, okay, you need to stop drinking, stop having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, um, you need to stop using the language you use, you need to start going back to church, um, and uh, you really just need to work harder at, at the things you do, do things with excellence. If they did all those things, would they go to heaven? No, it doesn't change them. It doesn't change their eternity. All it does is manage their sins and make them a better person according to the world. It doesn't save them. So why do we, why do we go to people and try to start with the stuff that won't save them? Start with the thing that will save them, Jesus Christ crucified. I, I, I wanted to know one thing among you, Jesus Christ crucified. And another, another thing along with that is why do we expect the world to be obedient to Christ if they don't know Christ. Why are we doing that? Why are we holding people to a standard, first of all, that we can't fill ourselves, but second of all, that they don't believe in? If, if, if someone doesn't believe in a cause or believe in uh, words or believe in the Bible, why are they gonna listen to it? We don't need to get them through rules. We don't need to pay attention to their lifestyle. That's gonna come across as, um, as, as self-righteous and condescending and maybe even judgmental, even if you, come, even if you do it in a loving way. But they need to know Jesus. That's, that's the first and foremost. They need to know Jesus. Jesus takes care of the heart. Jesus will change them. We know that uh, we are all continually becoming more like Christ. That's that word sanctification. We're continually every day becoming more like Christ. That's why we have the church and life groups and united so we can grow in Christ. But that doesn't make us more saved. We're still saved. And we need to preach Jesus Christ crucified to people. So they can be saved. So don't be self-righteous. Don't use fancy words. And don't overcomplicate it. And just keep in mind, Paul was scared, but his preaching showed God's power. And now we're going to flip over to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. So same letter, written to the same group. And again, Paul's going to give us a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a sneak peek at his heart, at what he does. So the first thing was, 
We only have one message, Jesus Christ crucified. Here's the second thing. Chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. We there? We awake? Lean in, baby. Lean in. We got like less than 45 minutes left in in Epworth 2015. So lean in. This is just get your fill because it's going to be a year. Verse 15. Is it verse 15 that I said? I'm sorry, 19. I knew that was wrong. 19. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, so we are set free in Christ. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I don't have to listen to the world, he's saying. I have a savior. I have someone who set me free. But because I want to win as many as possible for Christ, I voluntarily made myself a slave, much in the way Jesus made himself a servant and a slave to us. Look at this, verse 20 says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, that means people that were really worried about the law, maybe teachers of the law, Pharisees. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Although I myself am not under the law, just reminding us, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, in, in other words, Gentiles, people that were just lived free and did whatever they want, do what I want, YOLO, it's just going to be okay, we're just going to do what we need to do, and we're going we're gonna to live life once, no regrets. I hate that term, no regrets. So stupid. Um, anyway, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. But look at what he says. He, he doesn't say, that doesn't mean that he just went and like, Hey guys, smoke weed. I'll smoke weed with you and tell you about Jesus. That, that's not how things work. We don't compromise our, uh, our um, commandments from Jesus and the way we, he's called us to live to go make it in with some other person. We don't need to go in and, 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 and go out, reach out to people in prison by being a criminal and getting thrown into prison. There's other ways to reach out to them. We, we can do it without sinning. We can do it without turning against God's will because here, or here's what he says, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So he reminds us, I'm still under Christ's law, but to a certain degree, I became like one not under the law so as to win those not having the law. Listen to this, to the weak, I became weak. That means the poor, the hurting, the lonely. He became like that. That means he sympathized with them. He empathized with them. He, he felt, he had a heart for people. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things. If you have your own Bible, even if you have one of our Bibles, underline this because somebody else will read it along the way and we want them to read it. I have become all things to all people so that all possible, by all possible means, I might save some. He says the word all three times. All people, I, I become all things to all people so that all possible means. I'm gonna do every single thing it takes. I have urgency. I'm gonna do what it takes to win some. Notice he doesn't have some pie in the sky notion that everyone's gonna come to Christ because that's not true. Not everyone's gonna turn their life over to Christ because they have free will. God loves us enough to give us a choice. That's what love is, a choice. And so he doesn't try to say, if I do all these things, hey guys, everyone's gonna come to Christ. It's gonna be perfect. That's not what he says. He says, some. If I can do all these things, I can get all the right circumstances, maybe some will come to know Jesus. And what an amazing thing that will be. Verse 23, I do this all for the sake of the gospel. The sake of the good news. We're full circle now, right back to the beginning. I do this all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in his blessings. What he meant by sharing in his blessings is that I may continually experience it. 
continually experience the gospel and that it wouldn't become old to me. I want to continually experience it. Here's the second thing. There are different ways to approach different people. There are different ways to approach different people. Look at what Paul said. He said, man, I, if I want to reach out to the Jews, I've got to, I've got to speak the language. I've got, to, I've got to go where they are. I've got to be like them. If I want to go to the people that are just hellions in the bars, I've got to go to bars sometimes, and I've got to talk to some of these people that are hurting and, and they're lonely. I've got to go to where the lonely people are. If I want to speak to the weak, I've got to go to the people that are weak, that are mourning, that are lonely, that have no relationships. We're called to go to these people, but we have to know there's different ways to approach different people. And once again, it's, it's another point that we've repeated over and over again. That's where we have to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We go, we can control that. And we can control love and serving. And we can control listening to the Holy Spirit and following him with urgency. The Holy Spirit will show us different ways to reach different people. I speak very differently to a Jamaican teenager than I do to a sixth grade American girl. When I'm, when, I'm at the, when I'm at the prison in Jamaica, there's a certain way I talk to them. First of all, I use patois as best I can and they love that or they laugh at me. And then I, uh, I'll just talk to them and I'll ask them why they're in and I'll talk to them about whatever they want. I'll talk to them about rap because they love American rap. I'll talk to them about uh, <clears throat> girls to a certain extent, but then I tell them to stop talking that way. I will, uh, I will talk to them about why they're in prison and I'll talk to them about what got them there and, and what they hope to do and their hopes and dreams. There's a certain way I talk to them. I would not talk that same way and about those same things to a sixth grade teenager because it's two different people, different ways to reach out to different people. And, and I just want to just, just let you know, and this kind of doesn't have to do with that point, but you never know where a conversation can lead. One conversation. If you feel the call to walk across the room and start a conversation, you never know where that may lead. It may lead to a, a relationship, a friendship that in 10 years influences a person to Christ. But the Holy Spirit wanted you to take one step and to start a conversation. You never know where a conversation can lead. We have one more point, but before that point, um, I want to show a video. I want to show a video uh, that, that kind of relates to this last point. So check this out, and then we will uh, we'll finish up. All right. So that brings us to the third point and the final point of Epworth 2015, and it is share your story. Share your story. In Acts 26, which is what the video talked about, Acts 26 uh, Paul has a chance to defend himself and get out of prison. And instead of defending himself, he shares his story. He doesn't preach a sermon. He doesn't go to like his, his tried and true best gospel presentation because the best one is his story. He talks about where he was and what he became. I think uh, in the past two days in quiet time, there was, a, there was a portion that asked kind of like, what are some words to describe you before Jesus? Just two or three words. Remember, we want to keep simple. What were some, are, are some words to describe you since Jesus? What are some things that Christ is still working on your heart and helping you grow in? But as we share our story, this is the, this is the ultimate trump card because no one can argue with your experience. No one can tell you that you didn't feel those things that were prompted by Jesus. No one can tell you that you don't experience grace and forgiveness every day. They can argue about dinosaurs all they want. They can argue about creation all they want and Noah's Ark. They can argue about, well, I didn't, I don't think, I didn't see Jesus walk out of the grave. It can't be real. They can argue all they want. The Bible's not real. God's not real. I don't believe it. They can't argue with your experience. They can't argue with your story. So 
So we want to have one message and one message only, Jesus Christ crucified. We need to know there's different ways to approach different people, and we need to share our story. We need to be honest with people, be transparent, and share our story. Share from the heart. I, I heard an account of a pastor that um, was reaching out to a friend of his that he, that he sailed with for, uh, I, I don't know, years and years. And, and at first, the friend was totally closed off. He was like, you're a pastor. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to hang out with you. He was like, oh, I mean, come on, get to know me. So they, they, they continued to, to kind of be around each other. And he'd bring it up every once in a while. And the guy'd be like, no, like, listen, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't believe it. So the guy, the pastor said, okay, uh, all right, and so he would give it a lot of time. He was patient. He was patient with a friend that he loved. But every once in a while, he'd kind of bring it back up and he'd get shut down. He'd let it go for, even, I'm saying like a couple of years, he might let it go. Six months, he might let it go. He, he did what he could. He followed the promptings of the spirit, but he can't change the guy's heart, so he kind of backed off. <clears throat> well, one day, uh, something happened to the guy. Uh, unfortunately, something happened in his life that, and some things in his life that weren't good and, um, he started to kind of open up to the word, kind of open up to, to church, but he still didn't really want to hear it. He still, he was a little bit sensitive to it, a little bit softer towards it, but he still didn't really, really wasn't interested. But the man, uh, the, the pastor tells a story about how one day he just, he just felt like, I just need to share with him how much I love him. I don't need to preach to him. I don't need to tell him a verse. And this is what he said. I can't imagine not being in eternity without you. A simple phrase, I love you too much. I want to spend eternity with you. And the man that he, he was talking to who, who later became a Christian and became involved with the church said that that was like the turning point. Why? Because he was honest. I love you, man. I just want to spend eternity with you. I don't want to see you hurting. And that just struck a chord with him that later would resonate and resonate in his heart until one day he came to Christ. So share your story. Be honest and share from your heart. What if, what if, like we talked about last night, 260 people go out and we actually make an impact where we are? If you go back and look at that, that map and, and what we're going to do during this, this, uh, this, 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 this response time is I want you to, to go around and, and just, you don't even have to do anything because we don't have any more tax and uh, I don't see any chalk up there, but we're just going to, and there's no room anyway. I want you to look at some of the names and pray over them. Pray over someone else's names. I want you to go back there and look at that map. That, that map, I looked at that last night and it like, it burned something up in my heart to see all those taxes. And we ran out of tax or we would have more up there. And just to see, look at the, the beaches area. Oh my goodness, every single place is covered with tax. You can't even stick another tack in there. That's influence. That's revival. That's changing Jacksonville. There's places all over. There's places um, kind of like on the beach, off the coast. There's places on the north side, west side, east side, everywhere, south side. There, Everywhere we have influence. Go check that out. Pray over it. I want to continue to encourage you to, uh, to go back to the table and write more letters, letters to yourself. Um, Cole and I read through them last night, and one of, the, one of the most, probably the most rewarding thing of each of our weekends was reading that, was reading those letters to see the things you guys said to yourself. It wasn't like you just wrote a name or you just said, hey, invite somebody. These were like heartfelt letters that were pushing yourself. I was so encouraged about the future of United Beach Student Ministries in the beaches area and your high schools and middle schools by reading those letters because I saw fighters. I saw people that wanted to share their faith, right? Come on, yeah. I saw people that were 
passionate. I saw one of the girls, uh, one of the girls wrote something, and this isn't me, this isn't me guilt tripping you. This is her words, a student's words to herself, amazing. She said, if Jesus can go to the cross, why can't I go to the front of the classroom? Listen to that, man, listen to that. If that doesn't get goosebumps on you, I don't know what will. We gotta share the faith. What if we all become one on this thing? We all start inviting one unchurched friend to unite, especially this week, one or two, and we say, I'm gonna get them there no matter what it takes. You're sick, I'll, be, I'll pick up some medicine for you and I'm picking you up. You, I got a box of Kleenex, we're still going to United. If we're, if we're gonna take, not take no for an answer this week, this can happen. We can have people flooding block 84 so that it's hot as Hades even in the middle of November and we got the air conditioners pumping but there's so many people in there and hot breath going that we're just sweating like crazy and not even sitting in chairs because there's too many people in the block. That's something that can happen. If, if we have to, uh, this is something that is a dream of mine long-term and our leadership said we want it to be a dream of our short-term. And I was like, guys, you don't really get it. Like in the spring, things kind of go downhill at United. Like people don't come as much. They start getting excited about going to the beach again even though we can go to the 10 months a year and, and they start thinking, oh my gosh, I can't go. I gotta take off my clothes and, and go to the beach and, and not go to United. And so it just starts going on this like downhill spiral kind of an excitement. And, and I was like, this, this dream is more long-term. And this dream was that one day we would be forced to go to two United services on the same Sunday night that we, not, not middle school and high school, but two United services that we do two identical services like, like they do on a Sunday morning at church, that we would be forced to do that this year. You know how that happens? That happens through you guys being a city on a hill. Through you guys listening to those letters you're sending yourself. When you get them on Wednesday, reading them and saying, I'm doing this and I don't care what gets in my way. I'm done, I'm gonna do this. I'm done with the games. I'm done with being scared and timid. Just like Jesus, I came full, or just like Paul, I came full of, full of, full of fear and trembling, but, but now I got the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna listen to what he has for me. We're gonna continue praying for Jacksonville. Some people have said, I'm kind of tired of it. I don't care, get over it. We're gonna keep praying for revival because if we don't do it, who's gonna do it? Who's gonna pray for our city to come to Christ? Who's gonna save your friends and your teachers and your family? We gotta pray for God to act and we're gonna keep on doing it 7.14 a.m. and p.m. If you turn off the alarm, you turn that sucker back on, okay? You listen to me, take out your phone right now and turn it back on. Turn it back on if you've turned it off and don't be embarrassed. And if you've never turned it on, turn it on. If you're a life group leader, turn it on. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, 7.14 a.m. and p.m. We're praying for revival in Jacksonville. Do it right now, come on. Don't get me pumped up, whoa. We're gonna serve and love like Jesus. We're gonna change the city and we're not gonna do it. We're just gonna be a light of Jesus and Jesus is gonna do it, amen? Amen, all right, so this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna stand up, we're gonna worship like crazy. We got three songs left in Epworth. Pray over these boards, come to the altars, pray with your life group leaders. I love you guys like crazy. Let's worship.